0: Hello, listeners. Eric here. Jumping in before the intro, there's just over uh, one month before the election, which means my schedule is getting busier and busier, as you can imagine. In light of that, uh, we're going to spend the next number of weeks to rebroadcast a series Scott and I think is the most important we have done. We talked through the book by David Koizis, Political Visions and Illusions, and we actually end with an interview with Dr. Koizis. I hope you find it helpful. I know I did. So here it is. Thanks. Well, hello, my name is Eric Estep.
1: And I'm Scott Reevley,
0: And this is another episode of the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, dear listeners. We are continuing our journey through the book report on Political Visions and Illusions by David Koizis. We have talked about ideologies in general. We have talked about uh, four ideologies already. Uh, what are they? Liberalism. Liberalism, conservatism, democratism, nationalism. And this week, we are going to talk about socialism. That's the fifth of the, of the five ideologies that Koizis uh, wor- works through in his book. And I just want to point out again, if you are at all interested in this, this is such a fantastic book, it's so helpful. I would encourage you to get it, um, grab it, and we are pretty excited we're gonna be able to interview Koizis uh, for our next episode. So just, we're, we're excited about that. But let's talk about socialism. Uh, just to kind of level set and get some definitions on the ground, socialism has an understanding um, of material and uh, economic means that's different than the other ones we've interacted with so far. Mm-hmm. So often you'll hear uh, a definition of socialism being uh, common ownership of the means of production. Um, so you think about think about a factory or or something that's making a product. The the common uh, the people. Um, organized in the state as a whole would, would own those means, those things that allow things to be produced. Another, another thing that socialism is defined by, and this is what Koizas points out as well, is its aspiration to achieve economic equality. So just from the beginning, it's, it's obvious that there is, there's an economic piece that is driving socialism.
1: And I think that that means that there's probably some gradation in uh, socialism. It, I mean, the the strong state ownership of the means of production is one thing. Uh, the desire for economic equality is another. And there's probably some range of state involvement or um, corporate ownership that is in between there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Because I think it's easy for people to to talk about socialism in just this broad stroke as though it's awful in every respect Mm. and not realize that, well, we all do own some stuff together Mm -hmm. already, you know, even in the West. Mm. And so, you know, it doesn't make a socialist, but it makes us, you know, have elements of this. And I think that's some of what we need to make sure that we talk about is, how socialism acts as an ideology. Mm -hmm. In other words, the ideas of socialism that are... What are the ideas of socialism that really drive the uh, belief in it Mm. to the degree that it's idolatrous? Mm -hmm. See, because I think the fact that we all enjoy a park that we own in common with our city Mm -hmm. or whatever, that doesn't make us socialists... Purely, and it doesn't make us uh, socialists ideologically, Mm -hmm. though we do share some common property, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty nice, Mm -hmm. but we are not ideological socialists. I think that's something that we want to get clear on. What is the the ideology that really is driving this as an idea system,
0: basically? Right. And also, we want we're gonna focus on that because that's that's where the concern is it's not the concern about any of these ideologies is not necessarily the practical ramifications of them it's that that you are making things into gods that should not be gods and socialism is gonna do that one way whereas nationalism or democratism or liberalism or conservatism will do that with different objects different things uh, potentially good things that are made into god things uh, but th- that, that's the focus here and we really? could we could talk about practical ends and all that kind of stuff but that's a different podcast that's right. a different different use of time so this is more about the ideological what what are the idols um, that are are tempting us to worship them there you um, go. and let's let's be aware of that
1: so when you're talking about idols we should talk about heaven and religion a little bit. He says, according to Cecil Palmer, socialism is a system workable only in heaven where it isn't needed and in hell where they've got it. <laughs> and that's kind of how I think Americans sort of view it is we're really n- not for this, at least mm. um, probably the, the older generation of Americans that lived through mm-hmm. the Cold War where this was really a threat. Uh, they view socialism as a mean that it, uh, view socialism such that it means that we'll have a stagnant economy lacking incentives to work, bureaucratic interference in a variety of venues where it does not belong, and uh, confiscatory taxation penalizing the industrious and rewarding the idle. Worse, it could entail arbitrary government with little respect for personal liberty. This is this Koizis uh, analysis of it, which I. I think I've probably heard around our church and that is it's why people are against it.
0: Well, I just heard a bunch of listeners go,
1: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's right. right. Turn off the podcast. They already said it. Yeah. The, yeah, the desire to end. And so some of it is how strongly do we own this ideology of common uh, ownership or, um, really uh, economic equality i think that really is going mm. to be the driver for is this a an ideology for you or not mm-hmm. and uh, you know like these others uh, socialism goes back way back to plato and rousseau and mm. um others that are uh, have thought about it and talked about it for a long, long time. So it's not like, oh, we just came up in the 50s when we really were, you know, for some reason against it with the Cold War. This has been around a long time. And we've got to figure out what the, you know, the, ide- the ideology really is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that Koizis that points out on kind of on his way to the ideology is just the irony of it all. Because when you have common ownership, and especially if a common ownership with a very large group of people, you are going to need somebody to manage that mm. common ownership. And as soon as you have somebody managing the common ownership, there's no longer equality. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you no longer have equality, you no longer have a pure socialism. And so, in that respect, uh, he would point out. Uh, that it's somewhat self-defeating, to to really make this into a firm uh, ideology with conviction,
0: mm-hmm. which points to the utopian nature of socialism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is the, the 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 quote was tongue-in-cheek, but it does it it would be quote-unquote heaven because utopia no place. Mm-hmm. There is no place where there is actual radical common ownership. And common buy-in because if if you get to any level, any large level of people, it's just not workable anymore, which is kind Mm -hmm. of the problem we talked about with democratism. Right. Um, We can't all go down – if there's 20,000 people in a city, you can't all go down and decide some decision about the common ownership of anything. So there will necessarily be some people that go, we will talk for the people. And then now you have uh, disparity. You have lack of common – um, common ownership, because someone has control again.
1: Yeah, and here's here's kind of what he says about it. What is touted as communal ownership of property, thus in reality becomes monopol uh, becomes monopolization of all property by a self-appointed elite, effectively responsible to no one. Ironically, then, property becomes more concentrated under socialism than under capitalism. And if the former Soviet Union is at all typical, material equality remains as elusive as ever. And so, again, the, it, it's kind of interesting that the very ideal is a self-defeating ideal. Mm. And so that, in some respects, us saying that is preemptive because we haven't really talked about why it's idolatrous and what it is, what's the redemptive story yet. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's self-defeating is uh, certainly uh, a factor as we think about what it means for mm-hmm. uh, socialism to be an ideology.
0: And I do think it's worth noting, you, you mentioned Plato, Rousseau, Aristotle, another that has talked about common ownership. Within a society, specifically a state, you you need to figure out what you're going to do with common property. And he, Aristotle's so smart. You just, people need to read more Aristotle. I, I love reading Aristotle, but um, he just points out there are three ways to deal with ownership. Either everything is in common, nothing is in common, or there's some that's communally owned and some that's individually owned, which is kind of the setup we have, really. He um, mentioned the parks. Uh, there's, there's some defensive pieces that the state as a whole owns. No specific person owns those. Back in the day, it would be, hey, we're getting attacked. Everyone bring your sword. Uh, and you you would have to use the individual means to defend for the the entirety of the people um, So we have a we have a mixed uh, setup here and I just think it's interesting that the the ownership becomes the good that that gets to be elevated as the idol in this
1: mm-hmm. idealized right mm-hmm. One thing when we're talking about idealized, that is, I think, worth mentioning, is that the Bible does talk about this, and and it is idealized by a number of Christians. I think you have in Acts uh, chapter four, verse thirty-two, where it talks about the property in the early church being held in common, and no no one felt like
0: it was his own. Can you do you have that? Yeah, Can you read that. Uh, Acts 4.32 Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own But they had everything in common
1: And so that is pretty ideal Mm -hmm. And uh, some people would say Oh the church ought to be that (laughs) Which makes me as a pastor pretty nervous (laughs) But uh, the prospect that
0: What, What about that makes you nervous?
1: Because of what we just said about there's somebody's going to have to manage it, sure. And there's going to be added responsibility for some people. And mm-hmm. I assumed that that would uh, <laughs> that, that I would not end up in You're like so, I already have a list of. Things I don't to do. want that. Yeah, I assume that I'd end up there. So, uh, but the re- the reality is the thing that's different there than what we're talking about is that their enrollment in that number one was voluntary. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think reflected a a heart that deprioritized material possessions. Mm -hmm. That's what's really different. Mm -hmm. Whereas you have an ideology of socialism, you are prioritizing um, material possessions so that everyone has them in common. Everyone has equality. Mm -hmm. Here, they didn't seem to care about the material possessions and were happy to share it Mm -hmm. with other people. And So that's different. And then I think the fact that you don't have uh, a state that uh, is the one managing it, but rather everybody appears to be voluntary here mm-hmm. is uh, interesting. So, yeah, the, I, I don't think that's biblical precedent for what we're talking about. Let's say it that way. Right. Uh, more? Uh, let me just uh, throw this in there too, any more than you would have biblical precedent for private ownership. Hmm. And the, the the private ownership of property was... In my estimation, pretty interesting in the Bible, because you own stuff, basic you own property anyway, basically forever, and it stayed in your family. And there was a you could lease it to somebody until your jubilee, and then you get it back. And mm-hmm. the different, I mean, it's just not the system we're used to. Let's mm-hmm. say it that way. And but as soon as you have that, you have inequality, because some people are going to have. By decree from Moses, are going to have better land than others, Mm. and as soon as you have a firstborn, you're going to have uh, somebody who gets double the inheritance of the secondborn, and you're going to have inequality. So that's built in also to the biblical story, Mm -hmm. though not mandated or prescribed. Mm. But you just have to recognize that these are, you know, both of these really are part of the economic reality in the Bible, and. That's not what we're talking about. Right. We're really not talking about economic realities. We're talking about political realities and what mm-hmm. are the, the political, uh, ideologies that become idolatrous. So, uh, anyway, that was just a little excursus that I told Eric I wasn't going to do before we started. So,
0: there you go. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the so one the material. I think material is elevated. In that equality, no difference of ownership is elevated as well. Koizs says, uh, "Socialism takes on its its most destructive potential as the idol of equality becomes a jealous god, demanding that worshipers go so far as to sacrifice their other less egalitarian commitments and loyalties on its altar." So it's there's a there's de- a destructive piece to this ideology, if if you elevate it that way, because it's gonna it's it's leveling. It's a, it's a leveling ideology. If if this is a little bit higher or this is a little bit lower, those things have to change um, in this organ, organizing principle.
1: So one of the things that gets lumped in here together uh, a lot has to do with the relationship of socialism and Marxism. Can you speak to that?
0: How are those two related? Sure, uh, so socialism is that economic piece we're talking about Marxism takes similar framework but also adds a, a philosophy of history um, almost mm-hmm. a a deterministic philosophy of history and looks through the lens of class so the the working class or the proletariat becomes uh, really the 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 elevated position and there is a specific sweep of history that um, eventually gets to capitalism, which is a broken piece, and it is remedied with socialism, and eventually we go back to classless society. So there is an additional uh, additional layer on socialism that's not just equality, but it's a classless piece, and everything is viewed by class in Marxism.
1: Which is, in some respect, a clearer or a more clear uh, view of this uh, redemptive story. Mm. You have uh, s- some, the, some ideal of everyone has the same equality. Then you have a, uh, a fall or a problem with inequality, mm-hmm. which leads to a, essentially a revolution mm-hmm. where the uh, common class wins the victory and there, and there is no class and that's mm-hmm. your, your, your utopia your final mm-hmm. state and so you've got this same redemptive story but it is the uh, and this is some, I think what probably attracts some people to Marxism is it's the people mm. that are the savior it is the people who are the ones who provide the redemptive you know impulse mm-hmm. in the ideology and so there's you know in some respect there is a you might say, bigger or more violent or more, I don't know how you say it, just more extreme mm. uh, approach to it in Marxism than just mere socialism.
0: Well, and in Marxism, well, and, and let me go through the redemptive story arcs. Yeah. So again, let's remind ourselves why we even use the phrase redemptive story. There is a real redemptive story uh, revealed to us in Scripture of God creating, um, humans falling and then god redeeming and restoring and making all things new again and there's that arc: creation fall redemption restoration and any of these ideologies as we've talked about before do something that echoes that song so it sounds appealing so in the socialist uh, redemptive story it starts with original equality which i think i've pointed this out in every every podcast about these ideologies they're usually pointing to something that's just not real. It's it's an idealized or a, a mythic beginning. Um, there's a ri- there's original equality, and the fall in the socialist story is private property. There is private ownership, mm-hmm. and that is the fall. That is the sin. That is the original sin of socialism, and the redempt uh, which results in inequality. So again, we're we're elevating the. Uh, Inequality as the means we're we're trying to end that. That's that's mm-hmm. the aim of so, socialism. Um, the redemptive piece in that story is communal ownership. So if we can uh, share ownership, then we can remedy um, all the ills that private property have wrought. And then the final piece is socialist equality. So complete equality, like we said, the high is low and the low is high, and everything mm-hmm. um, becomes even. In the in the Marxian redemptive story, it starts with primitive communism, which again, mythic. This is if you all recall, we started in a garden with God, in proper relationship with God, proper relationship with humanity, um, dominion, stewardship of the earth. We were supposed to take care of it. So primitive communism is is something made up. It's not that's not how the world started. Um, The fall in Marx Marxian the redemptive story is the division of labor so if uh, you mister production owner guy says hey I'm gonna hire you to work the machine and I I bought the machine I had I had the capital you will hear a lot about capital if you study some Marxism um, that division you do the work I will provide the capital or I will provide the investment that division is the fall because that division creates class mm-hmm. in in this framework so Division breeds class struggle. Uh, There is natural tension between classes, and the resolve—the thing that resolves that thing—is revolution. So that's far more dramatic Mm -hmm. in the in the uh, Marxist look rather than the socialist look, because you could potentially have a um, a soft expansion into socialism, whereas. Uh, a Marxist view of things is radical. Not soft. It's literally revolution. That's the redemptive piece. Because um, then when the revolution happens and you, you bring the proletariat or the working class uh, into power, now there is the so uh, classless society. That's the all things made new piece of the redemptive narrative of the of the Marxist. Hmm.
1: Thank you, that was helpful. And I think you can see why the two are connected. I mean, there is, there is this economic piece that's through there. There is this equality piece that's through both of them. Mm-hmm. That, uh, they emphasize different things, but definitely are uh, related.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that is true uh, of really of both, but of Marxists especially, is the flawed uh, view of uh, human nature. Uh, and Kozyva says, if a disease is incorrectly diagnosed, then attempts at healing will likely go awry as well. Mm. And there is this uh, optimistic view, for sure, of human nature that if uh, if only <laughs> it's like me having a, a a view of my own nature. If only I was in charge, then the world would be right. Mm. And I might think that, but I promise you, there's no way that I'm right to think that. So that's that's a little bit of what I think is going on, in, in this is that it, it doesn't work in part because it doesn't account for reality, mm. with respect to human beings.
0: Mm-hmm. So some of the, should we go to some of the good things that are brought up to God level things, in this framework? Oh uh, sure, because I think there are some. Um, for, for socialists, the, the ultimate goal is material equality. If there is a desire, and, and again, I'm assuming if you hear a redemptive story of socialism or Marxism, because it strives to echo the real redemptive story, there are going to be pieces to it where your heart is drawn. Yeah, I, I think I know that melody. It kind of sounds like something familiar.
1: Before you go any farther with that, though, I think it's important to recognize that some of the reason that you may not like the melody or you may not, uh, you know... Uh, Dance to the melody Mm. is because of liberalism rather than some other Mm. view of Christianity. In other Mm -hmm. words, this is one of the things that I think we're doing this for. We're doing this so that we recognize what is it that that makes me afraid of socialism, makes me not want socialism. And really, a lot of that is that we have this liberal impulse historically in America that is not a socialist impulse. And so we don't want that even though we do in small doses, right. we do, not ideologically, but in our families, we all share property. I mean, this may be one of the good things you're getting to. Mm-hmm. Sorry to jump the gun there. No, that's great. But uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to, right. be, to have an environment where you can share property, but not as an ideology.
0: To, to put it another way, socialism or uh, Marxist socialism is not a bad ideology because it's not liberalism. It's a bad ideology yes. because it's an ideology. <laughs> yes, there we go. Um, so so be aware of that. You may have a reaction against socialism because you're steeped in liberalism, which is a different problem.
1: <laughs> so th- that sentence is one that you would never hear in popular media or conversation, right? You, you don't like socialism because you're a liberal? Right. That's not the way. You heard that you hear those, it first, folks. Those, that's not the way those tune words are for normally stuff. used. But I think that's really true, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what in the way that we're talking about these ideologies. That
0: would be the explanation, right? So, point to the good things um, because it it necessarily, if it's going to be attractive, it has to have something that kind of matches the tune. Uh, so, for socialists, the ultimate goal is material equality. There is something laudable about seeing someone that doesn't have, that there's real need and saying I want them to not be in need. Um, that's laudable. There, there's a reason we just read Acts 4 and what what should the driver be? It should be, oh, can I help that need? Can I go love my neighbor? Um, and if you can go love your neighbor, then by all means go love your neighbor. When it elevates it is uh, it, it elevates that desire, to this nebulous realm where uh, all is going to be taken care of, not necessarily by me, by someone else, um, and no one's going to have to worry about anything anymore. Well, mm-hmm. in reality, God God works through people. God works through communities. God works through the church, and the, they had one heart and one soul together. That's how it's, it's worded there, and out of that one heart and one soul, oh, we're, we're going to make sure everything's taken care of. And I think this impulse, um, all all needs met, all in common, makes more and more sense the smaller the community is. So within my family, uh, who has, well, what's the phrase? Um, From all according to ability to all according to need or something like that. That's the the socialism phrase. Um, In my family, I work. Mm -hmm. I have the ability to work. Uh, My wife works because she's raising four children. (laughs) She has that ability. And we're doing that and we have the ability. Our, Our four kids do not have any ability. But do they have great need? Yes, and their needs are not met by how much how able they are to meet them. They're met by my abilities, right? So at at the at the um, house level, the home level, yeah, this is working pretty well. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep bringing home money and
1: the socialist East End family is what you're saying.
0: Right, scratch that. (laughs) Um, But as it gets bigger, it it doesn't become. I see my kid needs. A shirt. So I'm going to provide him a shirt. It becomes something nebulous, and becomes the driver that is destructive, like we've talked about before.
1: The ideology that the becomes ideology. destructive. In other yep. words, I care so much about this that mm-hmm. I'm 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 making that the ultimate thing mm-hmm. for all of society. Mm-hmm. It's
0: not not a small uh, community like you're talking about. Right. The other piece. Um, there's obviously a salvific dimension, a, a salvation dimension of equality in the, in the good news, uh, as it were, of, of socialism. But it is limited to material. Mm. And that is insufficient in humanity. Um, do, I, do I want my neighbor? Do I want my brother? Do I want my sister to have what they need materially? Yes, but we are not primarily material beings. We're not primarily economic beings. And explicitly in uh, the Marxian narrative it is materialism. it is strictly material we it's it's almost uh, Coises talks about it being gnostic in nature um, creating a uh, pointing to the to the brokenness of just the material it doesn't ever doesn't ever talk about the the God side of things it rejects the God side of things so it's. That's that's a problem. It takes something that's good. Can I meet a material need? Yes. But I'm going to expand that to that's all that matters is the material.
1: Well, then and obviously expansion is uh, uh, off base. If we're if human beings are not uh, primarily material creatures, but we seek a material solution, mm-hmm. that's not going to work. Right. And so right. that's really where we're at with socialism. Right. I think it's important, too, that... I, I want to highlight kind of one of the things that he uh, points out because again we have such a liberal uh, liberal environment that we live in th- that we just would reject socialism off the you know offhand. He he suggests this. He says a policy that views poor as entirely to blame for their own plight and ignores personal social, economic, and political factors, risks doing injustice. However, an approach that portrays the poor as simply victims of external circumstances, depriving them of their status as responsible agents, risks dehumanizing them and seeing them solely as objects of pity. This, too, is injustice. Mm. And so I think that that's one of the things that we're doing this for, so that we we have the tools to see the world as it is, and we don't simply say, you know, if you are poor, it's your fault. That's mm-hmm. that that could be unjust for sure. Mm-hmm and we don't simply say you're poor therefore you're a victim and we dehumanize you that uh, too is unjust there we have to have the tools to see both mm-hmm. and to address both individuals and systems in a way that is helpful which has to do with in some respect maybe the best of these ideologies or or these I, ideologies not taken to the ideological level but used mm. as as instruments or tools in understanding and affecting change in the world. Hmm. So hopefully that hopefully that's helpful because again I we tend to equate what we know and with what's right. Right. And we want to make a you know a case at least to ourselves that mm-hmm. oh then that's more biblical. And I do think that we we have to say that there is reason to care for the poor whether it's their fault or whether it's the the fault of uh, a system, or the fact that they're part of a collective, that mm-hmm. somehow is disadvantaged, and I think it's okay to 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 see both of those things, and then to work to to change or
0: improve both those things. Right. And again, you're pointing out a tension we often feel—that's a tension between two ideologies. It, that's mm-hmm. you're describing a liberalism versus socialism tension, not a. Oh, I'm I'm understanding what the Bible says about how to live in the world. No, it's I'm used to being liberal, or I'm used to being socialist, um, and that that's why that's why we're butting heads.
1: Yeah, and I think you know uh, we have had that problem in our world in spades this past couple of years, where there's been all kinds of talk about class struggle. There's been all kinds of pushback to say you can't talk about those things, and I just think that. It really isn't ultimately about, um, you know, one or the other. I think you have to have the tools in your toolbox to say, let's look at all of the world and see how it works. Mm -hmm. And hopefully liberalism helps you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Hopefully socialism helps you a little bit as well as um, nationalism and the other tools Mm -hmm. that we've tried to describe. So uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully that gets us down the road a little
0: ways. Yeah. I think one, one other thing I want to point out is the emphasis on material um, mm. breaks breaks humanity I think if you only focus on on the material and it makes an assumption about uh, there's been an essay written that describes the human as homo economicus we are we are primarily and only uh, economic beings and I think it's, it's quite interesting that the, the problem that socialism points to is often capitalism, uh, this, this economic problem, mm. and they both have the same wrong answer about who we are as people. Um, we are not primarily material or economic beings, and both socialism and capitalism make that fault. Um, you'll hear libertarian type um, thinking, and they, they will describe all problems economically. Socialism will do the same thing. And that is a limited view of, of humanity, which you already quoted the, uh, the, use the word dehumanizing. If I'm only economic, what about my heart, soul, mind, strength, all these things that are supposed to be directed in worship to God, um, if I can only describe humanity in economic terms, it is clearly insufficient. It is inadequate to, um, to engage the world because it doesn't, it doesn't even address the human as, as fully human.
1: There, there are probably a couple of things that we need to say about that. You brought up capitalism. We'd, for the most part, avoided it. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. They, but uh, we're not talking about capitalism as uh, a political ideology because, for the most part, the, the state doesn't play the same role in capitalism that it would in socialism. But capitalism can be an ideology in and of itself that does emphasize the material and does mm-hmm. emphasize. You might say consumption or consumerism mm-hmm. in um, a way that is not biblical or helpful, mm-hmm. but it's not. A, we're not treating it, and uh, Dr. Koistis doesn't treat it as a political ideology because it. I think of the role the state uh, plays mm-hmm. in it is different and probably lesser. So, uh, right. But the reality is it applies, as an ideology, capitalism applies the same material remedy to the human condition that uh, socialism would, mm-hmm. or I suppose you could even almost go as far as say Marxism would. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, that's, that's why we haven't talked about capitalism anyway, right.
0: because it's an ideology but not a political one. And it'd be, that'd be a whole additional podcast, and we'd, we'd probably talk about the, the tool or ideology, depending on how you emphasize economics, really. Mm -hmm. um or (laughs) greed then you would you would idealize um that one as well
1: yeah an economic conversation would be a different one than the one we're trying to have right here Mm -hmm. so i think it's important to say that because in terms of the way that it's talked about a lot of times it's capitalism versus socialism Mm -hmm. and that's not the conversation we're having more or less we are saying it's liberalism versus socialism if you Mm -hmm. wanted to put some kind of a uh, antagonism
0: into the conversation but, mm-hmm. Do we want to talk any more about stewardship as a cure? Uh,
1: well stewardship again I think you would you would put that in economic mm-hmm. in the economic bucket rather than the state bucket or mm-hmm. the political bucket but uh, stewardship would simply, be a uh, what would you say uh, a remedy perhaps mm-hmm. for a material approach to things in other mm-hmm. words when if if i deal with my material goods as though i'm a steward of them i'm i'm not saying that material things are the key to the world i'm saying mm-hmm. the material things are belonging to the lord and mm-hmm. i'm only a steward of them. And in some respect, I'm minimizing what socialism or capitalism would raise to a much higher level. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you were to take a biblical view of things, again, there's much to be said for a, a, a view that would say the biblical understanding of my relationship with material goods is stewardship. Mm-hmm. In other words, I am taking care of something that belongs to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I am uh, taking care of what belong- what the Lord has entrusted me with that ultimately belongs to him. And so that would just be the, I think that'd be the way that I would interact with mm-hmm. stewardship. And I'd see that in more in economic terms rather than political terms. But mm-hmm. but I'm glad you brought it up because in some respect it would remedy both the socialism and the right. capitalism right. aspects because it, it minimizes materialism, as a you know, as opposed to pre, uh, offering materialism as the remedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, yeah, yeah. Socialism would um, eliminate the possibility of stewardship, and capitalism ignores stewardship. Fair enough. And both, I think, stewardship is the proper way to look at material in general. Mm-hmm. We've been given things by God. Um, some have been given more, and some have been given less, and we can, as and M- Uh, as stewards of God's things, look at a neighbor and love them Mm -hmm. um, with the stuff he's given us. So I think that's, that's a helpful call for all of you stewards listening. There you go. Uh, So ponder that. Um, Don't forget to subscribe on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing, helpful review would go a long way getting this to other people. Uh, Just a reminder, next week we are going to interview uh, the author of this book. So very excited about that. Um, so before that happens, share this podcast with a friend. Throw it up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever you spend uh, too much time on social media. And if you have questions, send them to podcast newlifenw.com and we look forward to the next conversation.